I'm going to go with that one. <laughs> Amen? I mean, it's always good to go with the one God gives you. Amen. Yeah, I found that out really early in ministry. Praise the Lord. The title of my message this morning, it's going to seem kind of an odd title, but the title of my message this morning is God Qualifies the Unqualified. Amen. Did I say it right? God Qualifies Amen. the Unqualified. Yes. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. How many think that's a good title? Yeah. I don't care. I'm going to preach it anyway. Praise the Lord. And I'm going to remember to hit my timer. Here we go. Amen. Uh, I started looking through the scriptures, and, I, and one fact came out to me, kept over and over again. I was listening to some other stuff on YouTube and, and from other preachers, and the thing keep ringing in my ear all the time, that the people that did the most in the Bible, that were glorified the most in the Bible, were the unqualified. They weren't qualified to do anything. Matter of fact, Jesus went out and picked 12 people that were unqualified. Did you know that? He handpicked 12 disciples that weren't qualified to preach. Matter of fact, the Pharisees called them uneducated men. Why should we listen to these people? Because they're uneducated. But something happened within those disciples. They didn't stay unqualified, but basically God began to work to them. Maybe it's this, I, I, I think about it. The qualifications that we think for a certain task are maybe not the same qualifications that God's thinking about. Amen? Amen? Uh, now, you all know, my wife and I are avid scuba divers. And I use this example quite a bit, but we, we still dive today. We're in our 70s, we still scuba dive. Matter of fact, we were up in Jacksonville for Thanksgiving and we drove by and we stopped in Key Largo and uh, dove a couple of wrecks there and then come on home and, and just kind of a stop over before we came home. So we do this. I, myself, I, I think I counted, I got about six different certification cards. Six for scuba diving. I can say this for, with, without any reservation, not one of those certification cards made me a scuba diver. Not one. I know people that have more than that. I know uh, people that were instructors and, 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 and dive masters and so on and so forth, and more, more certifications than I got. But this plastic card that they give you, and uh, it, only thing it, it tells you is that you completed the exercises that were required of you, but it doesn't make you a scuba diver. Are you here? Okay, what makes you a scuba diver is what I tell people. I says, how do you get to Carnegie Hall from here? It's an old joke, but how do you get to Carnegie Hall from here? Practice, practice, practice. They tell me get, you help on US-1, but no, no, no. You practice, practice, practice. Uh, but the fact is, is this, what makes a person a scuba diver uh, is not the plastic card that they achieved. And now, what has the plastic card proves is that I went through a course that gave me certain skills, that now I do have the training to do that, but that doesn't make you the diver, because what you're, the, the end focus is to get in the water and actually dive. And uh, we had a marvelous time up in Key Largo. Uh, I dove on the Spiegel Grove. Diane and I like to do deep wreck dives. Deep wreck dives require computers, require a certain uh, a skill level in, in itself. But uh, we, listen, we got to dive with sharks. Huh? Sharks. I'm serious. I got the videos to prove it. You can go on my Facebook page and see it. See I got videos. And uh, we got to dive with sharks. What do you think? Does that impress anybody? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Pretty cool, huh? Sharks. I love diving with sharks. Anyway, praise the Lord. Uh, uh, but now, what happens is, we, uh, my wife and I, we try to dive every week. We live in Key West, so it's easy for us to hop on a boat and 
good dive. But we try to get one day a week, we keep on diving. And people ask me, why do you dive every week? Because I want to stay a scuba diver. I want to be able to do that. And every dive that we do is different in a certain way, but it will, it will press your skills. Another thing, now, because of all the years, I've been diving well, almost 40 years, being a scuba diver. Uh, I, with all the dives and stuff that we have done, uh, uh, that now I've got the experience. I can, I, I, the, the training stuff comes second nature. Now I can really enjoy the dive. Are you here? Some people think because they showed up in church, it qualifies them for something. I remember when uh, my pastor, he was, uh, going, he was laying hands on me. He was sending me out. He recognized the call I had in my life. And he said this. He says, they had a Bible college. He says, uh, before I will release you to go start a church, he says, I want you to have a degree. A degree. Um, that time, I'm about 30 years old. I've got two kids. I mean, I'm, you know, my kids are teenagers. I'm trying to, I'm trying to work and, and everything else. I said, and I said, where do I got time to go? He says, I want you to come in and, said, and become a Bible college instructor. Give me all the information that you can over the years that you've been a Christian and we'll give it to our dean of the college and he'll come up with an accreditation for you and then you go ahead and earn the rest, uh, which was most of it. <laughs> so, but before he would send me out, I had to have a, a degree in biblical studies before he sent me out. That degree did not make me a pastor. Quite frankly, that degree didn't help me one bit to be a pastor. Quite frankly, the, my degree still sits in my drawer. I don't need to play. That, that's not with Because basically what happens, what I went through as a first-year pastor, we first planted our first church up in uh, uh, Boynton Beach. Uh, when I went, nothing in, I mean nothing in that Bible college prepared me for what I was about to face in Boynton Beach as a pastor. Nothing. Did, I mean, did I say nothing? Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> what it did help me with, it helped me with sermon preparation, but that's about all it did. It did not help me. So when I, when I say uh, the qualified that we look at today may not be as qualified as you think. However, the people we see are not qualified at all may be the very people that God is looking for. Now, let me start with the scripture this morning. Matthew chapter 3. I want to start with Matthew chapter 3. Now, this is the famous story. You all know this. Jesus, how many know Jesus? I talked about Jesus in the wilderness a lot because he showed us what spiritual warfare, what winning spiritual warfare looks like. He whomped the devil. The devil had to leave because he was out of strength. Amen. And Jesus was one that fasted for 40 days and he was still, on, still going. It's like coming at the word with the word to, to, to defeat the word. Did I say that right? But that's, that's just dumb. I don't know. It's not very, but the devil thought, I guess he could, he could, he could, he could tempt Jesus. Call it a temptation, but what I think, I think he got his butt handed to him. Amen. Amen. By the master. Jesus leaves that wilderness state, and he goes up to the, I'm sorry, I got it backwards. Jesus, before he got into that spiritual warfare with the devil, he did one thing that was very unexpected. I say this very unexpected. You know who Jesus was? Jesus was the only man on the earth that did not sin. There was no sin whatsoever. Because what I'm going to read to you next seems really out of sorts. But what he did, he did this, and then he went into the wilderness to hand the devil his butt. Are you here? I don't know 
how to explain this. But let's go ahead and read it. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13, it says, When Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan uh, to be baptized by him, John tried to prevent him by saying, I need to be baptized by you. How many know traditionally what we teach in the church of water baptism, Jesus wouldn't qualify? In other words, the water baptism is the washing away of sin. It's the regeneration of a person. Jesus needed none of that. Do you understand who Jesus was? He was sinless. He didn't need a regeneration baptism. He didn't need baptism at all. But he says, no, do this. And this is, he, he says, he says, um, he says, I need to be baptized of you, and you're coming to me, John is saying. He said, but Jesus answered and said, permit it to be now, to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Did Jesus need righteousness? No. He was the only one that was righteous. Everybody else needed it. So what was Jesus doing? He was ministering by his humanity and leading us to show us how to walk supernaturally even though we're living in humanity. So basically he was saying, no, baptize me. Not that I needed baptism, but we're going to seal this forever as this is a sacrament which our people can come to now and be water baptized in the truth. And not just a washing ceremony. I, 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 let me get back. I want to get, get off, the, off the mark. Because what I want to point out here is John saying, he says, I'm not qualified. You're coming to me for water baptism. You're the Messiah. I, I'm not qualified to even untie your shoes, let alone baptize you. But because Jesus had commanded and gave the word, it qualified the unqualified. Matter of fact, the thing that qualified John was because he knew he was unqualified. Did I say that right? <laughs> I, he, he was the most unqualified. But recognizing that he was not qualified to do what he did, put him in a position where God could use him. Because man couldn't look back on his own talents and giftings. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Did John baptize people? Yes. Do you have the certification card for baptism? I'd say so. They called him John the Baptist. Now, maybe he was a Methodist, but I think he was a Baptist. <laughs> Just want to see you're paying attention. Oh, praise the Lord. Uh, but yes, he, he baptized other people. And he, his, his, his message was, we're preparing the way for the Messiah. And all of a sudden, the Messiah, Messiah shows up. This is beyond anything that he could ask for, hope, or think of. Now, you want me to baptize you? I need to be baptizing you. You're the only one perfect. You're the only one in the whole world that don't need the baptism. Take that word need. Don't we do this for everything we say in church? I don't really need that this week. I'm doing good. I don't really need to go to church. I don't need that aggravation. Pastor, are you kidding me? I don't need that. Hallelujah. I don't need that. How many things do we say that are of God, that are anointed, that we don't need? Hmm. Maybe, just maybe, track me here, but maybe what we're calling a need, we're calling it wrong. Maybe God isn't looking for what we need. Maybe he's looking for who we are. Maybe God isn't trying to deal with something that's attached to our life but he's trying to give us a life that we're not attached to. 
right at the present. So what we think we need doesn't really bear witness on what we should be doing. The last thing I needed 33 years ago was to pack up my stuff in Deerfield Beach where I lived in Florida and move my entire family to Key West. In a town basically didn't want anything to do with me anyway because, you know, I preached the gospel uh, and so on and so forth. So God brought me to a place that didn't really need me. But you see, I wasn't here because the town needed me. I was here because God commanded me. There's a difference. Stop going where you think you're needed and start going where God has commanded you. That's free. Praise the Lord. So here's John the Baptist, probably one of the greatest prophets of the day in Jesus' time, water baptizing people, preparing the way, like talking about the Messiah, preaching the Messiah. Messiah shows up and says, baptize me. And Jesus gets up out of the waters of baptism. Like I said, he goes into the wilderness and he handed the devil his butt. Not only did he show us what to do when we come out of water baptism, he showed us how to engage the enemy where we will win. Jesus showed us how to get the victory. I believe that in all my heart, that in the wilderness experience wasn't just a temptation to test Christ. God didn't have to test Jesus. (laughs) He knew who he was. But Jesus was showing us in our humanity, in our frailty, how, in our weakness, he fasted for 40 days, how to combat the temptations and the the things of the devil. And we learn something else. The devil is limited in strength. Three temptations, the devil had to leave. He He was drug out. He was done. Jesus was still going. Of course, he had angels come minister to him physically because physically he was drug out. But the fact is, spiritually, he was stronger than ever. So he showed us how to operate. He is deity and humanity, both. But he was showing us how to follow the heart of the Father in our humanity, still being in our humanity, just like Jesus was, and showing us how to get it done. He was teaching the whole way and training. That's why he could pick 12 disciples that had no qualification whatsoever other than fishermen and, and, and whatever, okay, and bring them to the place to where now when he, was, when he ascended, these 12 were a, a, a force to be reckoned with. Matter of fact, three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, were called the sons of thunder, upset the entire city, began to change the entire city of Jerusalem. Think about that. The guys that were fishermen, they had no qualifications whatsoever. But when we answer the yes that God gives us, somehow he brings a qualification that we're not even expecting into the picture. Amen? Are we still interested? Praise the Lord. But John's realization of being unqualified, I just want to say that off the beginning before I go into the other stuff, was 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 the... it actually what qualified him. So by the recognition of not being qualified really qualifies us. Because by being unqualified, we no longer do things in our own strength, but we do things rely upon God's spirit. And that makes all the difference in the world. And it changes lives. It changes other people's lives too. Praise the Lord. Okay. Luke chapter 4. I'm going to go through some different things. Like I, want to, I want to build my case here for, for, for uh, well not really a case, but I want to give you enough information about the unqualified. 
Jesus comes out of that. Would you say Jesus was qualified? How many would say Jesus was qualified? Not a trick question, so you can raise <laughs> Jesus was qualified. He was the only one that was qualified in the things I'm going to talk about this morning. But how many know that Jesus went back to his hometown? Now, he got water baptized, he took it, and he went back to his hometown in, uh, in Nazareth. And Luke chapter 4 picks up verse 14. Uh, and Jesus said, when Jesus returned the power of the Spirit to Galilee, remember, he returned by the power of the Spirit. That means everything that he was doing was being led by the Father. Capital S, Holy Spirit, not just His Spirit, Holy Spirit, to Galilee. Uh, and the news of Him went out all, all the surrounding regions, and He taught in the synagogues being glorified. Now, just so you have this for your notes and for information, there's a gap, about a one-year gap, between Luke 4.13 and, uh, and 14. There's a gap there. And the only place you're going to find what happened in that gap is in John, in the book of John, in chapters 2 and 5, talks about what Jesus did in that gap. See, when Jesus came out of the wilderness, he went into, Gal went into Judea, and he stayed there about a year. Most of uh, the Bible uh, scholars uh, think it's about a year that he spent there. This is where he cleansed the temple. Remember he went into the temple and cleansed the temple? How many want Jesus to clean your house? <laughs> well, he cleansed the temple. That was the first time. He actually did that twice. He did it at the beginning of his ministry, which John records, where we picked up the, the whip, and then, uh, or, or, or rope, he made a whip. And th then the second time is when he was going for his crucifixion, he did it again. He did it actually twice. So what happens, what you rid the first time can't come back on you. <laughs> so he, uh, the illegal, illegal inhabitants. Get this, Jesus goes into to, to Nazareth. He goes into the synagogue. In verse 18, it says this. Now he begins to read scripture. This is very customary of the Jewish faith. They go in and, and they would read the scripture. They handed Jesus the scroll. He takes the scroll of the book. I think one translation says he rolls it out and he goes to a specific place in that scripture. And the scripture he goes to, Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. And this is what he reads. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has he, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He pro and to proclaim liberty to the captives and to recover sight to the blind. How many think this is a good thing? Okay, recover sight to the blind and set at liberty those who are oppressed. How many think it's a good thing to be set at liberty if you're oppressed? How many, how many think everything in here that the Messiah is, is talking about is good? Okay? The thing is, Isaiah was prophesying about the Messiah. Jesus is reading about himself. Let me go over it again. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. That word poor in the Greek means helpless, powerless uh, to, accomplish, uh, to accomplish an end. In other words, you just can't seem to get past this thing. Okay? That's what it means. And he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. The brokenhearted means the crushed or the shattered. Hmm. How many's ever been there? To proclaim liberty. Liberty is a freedom. To proclaim liberty or freedom to the captives. Those are prisoners of war. Did you know that there's a spiritual war going on right now for your soul? And the devil's hoping he wins. Because he can yank you right out of the kingdom if he wants to. If, he, if you give in to him. Not if he wants to, but if, he, if you give in to him. So there's a war going on. People are taken captive. They don't know what to do. I'm in bondage. They don't know what they can do. And, and, and Jesus says, no, I come, to, I come to set you free. I come to free that bondage. I come to cut those chains. 
You're free now. You're no longer a captive, a prisoner of war, as it would say in, in, in the original text, and recover sight to the blind. As blind means physically and mentally. That word is used both in the Greek, physically and mentally blind. The Pharisees could see. They could see Jesus violating the Shabbat, the Sabbath. Okay? But they couldn't see. They were blinded. They were blinded to truth. They could see what's going on around them with physical eyes, but they couldn't see the spiritual thing of what Jesus was doing. So that's what he's saying. He says, I came to, 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 uh, um, uh, uh, to, to uh, recover sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are oppressed. The ones that are oppressed means to crush, ones that are crushed. All this stuff is good. It all, it's all good. Why do you want to throw them off a cliff? The people that he was preaching to wanted to throw him off a cliff for saying this. Why? All good things. Surely there was poor people there. Surely there was blind, blind there. Surely there were people needed what he had. How many know right now, sitting in church, how many know you know somebody in your family or friends or whatever, work, work uh, co-laborers, that need Christ? Amen. Look at that. The whole house knows somebody that needs Christ. Right here. So they're captive then if they need Christ. Christ is available, but Christ is not, but they, they recognize, don't recognize Christ. That's a, that's a spiritual blind. That's a captivity. How come they wanted to throw him off a cliff because he preached something good? Jesus was the only qualified one that could preach this message. But he said one thing, and he said one thing that got people upset. And here it is in verse 21. Luke 4, 21, he said, and he began to say to them, now, after he closed the book, he read those scriptures, he stands in front of the people and he says this, and this is the mistake he made in religion. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. That was a detriment. That was the thing that set these people off. Today, this scripture is fulfilled. Now, if Jesus said anything, well, you know, a thousand years from now, this is all going to be different. They would have clapped, oh, oh, praise God, hallelujah. But he said, today. Jesus also said, today is the day of salvation. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. In other words, I'm him, him who was prophesied, who Isaiah prophesied uh, some 1,400 years before this. Here I am standing now, testifying in this word. I'm here to heal the brokenhearted. Now, wait a minute. We, we, got, a, we, we, got, the, we got the press on this thing. This isn't the first place Jesus stopped off. He was already doing this in other places. He was bringing the news of what he's already been doing to Nazareth, the place where he grew up, the place that should have known him. Now, here's what happened. What happened? Somebody said, wait a minute, verse 22. It says, and so all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words. It was good that it was received. Gracious words was proceeded out of his mouth. And then they said, is this not Joseph's son? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is great. The gracious words that he's saying, it's anointed. This, this, I mean, this is God. Oh, wait a minute. Isn't this Joseph's son? This is the son of a carpenter. This is not the Messiah. This is the son of a carpenter. And they, they're all of a sudden, two things that he said, he said, today the scripture is fulfilled in your ears. And I said, no, you're just the carpenter. Today, the scripture is fulfilling your ears. No, you're just the carpenter. We do the same thing today. 
Jesus had already paid the price, we say, well, not for me. Uh, I'm, I'm going through some struggles, you know. We all go through struggles. That's, 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 a, that's a gimme in this, in this world. But the fact is, because we, we are, live, still live in a fallen world. But God says, no. He says, I'm qualifying you. Will you seem to be unqualified to receive the miracles that I have? Here I am. I've come to heal the brokenhearted. I'm going to set liberty captives. I'm here. But what's it going to take to get the thing that Jesus has into our household, into our lap, into our hands? What's it going to take? It's going to take one thing. It's going to take the hungering of the people. It's going to take the desire of the people towards God and towards the Father because this is how Jesus moved. Are you, are you, are you here this morning? Amen. Praise the Lord. When we, I, I, I was reading a book. I got this out of a, of a book. I want to, want to quote this. Uh, it said this. It says, um, when we refuse to enter the battle that we were born for, we expose ourselves to the battle we have no grace for. Say it again. Okay. <laughs> okay. Praise the Lord. When we refuse to enter the battle we were born for, we expose ourselves to the battle we have no grace for. Let me say it again. <laughs> One more time. Okay. When we refuse to enter the battle we were born for, I can see some of you are going to quote, be quoting this right now. Uh, born for, we expose ourselves to the battles we have no grace for. When we refuse to enter that battle, engage that battle that Jesus has put before us that he's qualified us for, we are subject to going to battles that we have no qualification for. Can I say it that way? We have no grace to handle. We become unqualified in our own fights. Hmm. Praise the Lord. Now I want to, go, I want to shift gears here a little bit. Praise the Lord. I want to shift gears here a little bit. I want to share something else with you. How many remember um, the woman at the well? You all remember that story? It's in John chapter 4. The woman at the well. Uh, let me run it down for you because I, I just put a couple of scriptures in here. I want to run that down. Jesus comes to a place. He's going to Samaria. Now, here's the odd part. Do you know the Jews had roads built around Samaria so they wouldn't have to go through Samaria? So Jesus chose to go through Samaria, not around. Are you following me? In that travel, traveling his disciples, they all of a sudden they decided they need some food. So Jesus says, okay, so I'm going to sit here by the well. He says, you go ahead and go, go into town and get some food and say it like a hillbilly. Buy some vittles. <laughs> Bring the vittles back here and we'll, you know, anyway, so they all leave. Jesus is sitting there by himself. All of a sudden this woman comes to the well and Jesus begins this conversation with this woman. Asked her if she was married. And she, this, is, this is an odd conversation because he's viewed as a Jewish rabbi. For one thing, he's by himself with another woman. That shouldn't be. Another thing, he's a rabbi. He shouldn't even be talking to her. And now that, she's a Samaritan and an adulteress to start with. <laughs> so Jesus is doing all the wrong things here as far as the church would look. The church would have one big eternal gasp. <clears throat> you know, what are you, Jesus, what are you doing? You know, and, and of course the disciples had, but anyway, he starts conversing with this woman. I want to show you some things here. This is important. I want, you, I want this church to pick this up. This is very important. 
He's conversing with a woman. You all know the story, so I'm going to go quick. He's conversing with a woman. He tells the woman, and, and he gives her a word of knowledge that you, you know, you, you, right, the husband you're living, the man you're living with is not your husband. You had five other husbands, all this other stuff. And he tells her all this other stuff. And she's amazed because he's, he's, he's reading her mail, so to speak. He is prophesying. He knows exactly what she's, what. She is just a woman coming up to get water out of the well, unqualified for anything that's about to happen next. But that woman dropped whatever she was. She ran back to Samaria and began to tell the entire town or entire city what she just encountered. The entire city went into an uproar. Are you seeing what happened? The unqualified adulterer or whatever you want to call this woman, this unqualified woman went back and now became a qualified evangelist bringing the news about Christ to Samaria, which, by the way, did I tell you the part that was under the band? I didn't tell you that part. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus himself said this. He said to the 12, he said, uh, these 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them, and he said this in, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 5. He said, do not go the way of the Gentiles, nor enter the city of Samaritans but go rather to the lost sheep of Israel, period. Do not minister to Gentiles. Do not go to Samaria. Where was Jesus at the well? What's going on here? You see, it wasn't that God didn't want to bless the Samaritans. It's that they are post-crucifixion. First, he has to go back to Israel, show himself as the Messiah, be crucified, resurrected. Now, everybody gets to see Jesus. Something changed the plan. Jesus said, the only things I say is what the Father tells me to say, right? I only do the heart of the Father. I go with the Father. So how do you, how do you balance this seems to be contradiction of himself? Because Jesus is now in Samaria. He's talking to a Samaritan woman who just ran back to her village and has a whole town in an uproar, wants to meet Jesus. The disciples come back and say, what are you doing? We're not even supposed to be here, according to your word. All of a sudden, Jesus does one better. He goes there and he says, he goes back and he talks to the Samaritans and he said, we want you to stay. We want more. We want more. We want to hear more from you. Oh, we want more. Oh, we want a whole lot more. Jesus says, okay, I'll spend another two days there. Amen. What is going on? Come on, you told us not to, to minister to these people. What is going on? You see, there's a difference in ministering by principle than there is by ministering by presence. Principle is what you learn in religion. But what happened was God began to change, the Father's heart changed towards these people when these people had a hungering for the things of God. The Father obliged them and redirected Jesus' whole ministry for the hungry of the people. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying the humbleness and the hunger of God's people will change the season. It'll change the season. So what God said over here, now all of a sudden he's shifted. He's taken something that is post-crucifixion and bring it to the present. 
It wasn't that he was denying the Samaritans. Jesus didn't sin by going to the Samaritans. No, he's saying now God has changed the season because of the heart of the people, because of the hungering of the people. I'm suggesting this to you this morning, that the hungering of people right here can change the season of our city, can change the season of our, of, of our congregation and of our church. Well, you know, we got our history and God just, you know, had done, we've never been a revival here and there's never been this. Oh, baloney. God is God and he can do what he pleases, I think it says in Psalms, doesn't it? Praise the Lord. But where's the hungering for the things of God? I challenge even this church, where's your hungering for the things of God? Because God's season will change based on our hunger towards him. And the things that we lack, he'll give us. But we have to have a hunger, not just a casual uh, 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 acquaintance. We have to move from a religious, unqualified religion to a qualified, I'm a qualified, bona fide, hungering after God person. That's what I want. We're all carrying a C card. That's what they call a certification card in diving. We're all carrying C cards. We're all qualified. We've all been to church before. Yeah, we got a seat card. I don't know what to Oh, I've heard every message going down the pike. I've heard it all. All right, smart Alec. Now it's time to get wet. Amen. Do you know what I found out? I found out this is kind of split in half, but almost as many people have I baptized have refused to have been baptized. They claim to be church, born again Christians. Hmm. Are you here? Why? Because according to John, that was one thing that qualified him when Jesus says, do it. You mean he can change the times? And the, yeah. Uh-huh. You're not doing something unbiblical. Now, you might be doing something untraditional, depending on where you come from, but that's not the same as being unbiblical. You're not being unbiblical. We are supposed to baptize. I don't sit there and have them fill out a questionnaire before I baptize anybody, and they're not joining this church. Praise God they're not joining this church. Hopefully they're joining the kingdom of God. That's even better. Amen? Amen? And God, because of his anointing, has qualified me to hold you under the water until you give in. No, I just... <laughs> I've seen some people that want mm, just a little bit longer. Look, No, okay, I'll let you live. I do know CPR. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen? All right. Praise the Lord. Okay. Amen. Amen. The woman was changed in a moment by meeting Jesus from who she was to an influence that brought a city to Christ. The Father's heart went out to this city like never before because of their hunger towards him and desire to hear more of his word. Jesus spent an extra two days on a place that he normally wouldn't even go to. That he told his disciples to stay away from. What happened? The heart of the Father, Jesus didn't minister by principle as the Pharisees do. Remember, the Pharisees got all bent out of shape when Jesus went up to the pool of Bethesda and told that guy to stand up and walk. He didn't have to wait for no angel to stir the water. No, he just stand up and walk, take the cot with you. And they got mad at Jesus because he did it on Shabbat. The unqualified was trying to tell the qualified how to do things. Jesus says, Sabbath was not, uh, man was not made for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man. Shabbat was made for man, not, man for, not the other way around. Yeah. 
Amen? So he healed on the Shabbat. And he set a new precedence. Why? Because the Father wanted it. That man was there for years, decades, by that pool, waiting to get his chance. But he was crippled. He couldn't get there in time. He was the first ones in the water. He couldn't get there. Jesus comes. He says, hey, you don't need a pool. Rise up and walk. I'm the pool. And they got mad at him because he did it on Shabbat. Praise the Lord. Don't trust the spirit of religion. I mean it. Don't trust the spirit of religion. Amen. Amen. I got nine minutes to finish my point. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. How many remember this? Talk about unqualified. Who, who better unqualified than a Syrophoenician woman? Do you remember this? Let me bring it fresh your memory. Mark chapter 7. For a woman whose young daughter had, been un, had an unclean spirit heard about him, talking about Jesus, and she came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking him, here's that, here's that woman again under the band. Don't go to the Gentiles. <laughs> so Jesus now is sitting at the table, and, he, and, and, and he's with his Jewish counterparts, and he's doing exactly what the scriptures said he was supposed to do. He didn't violate any, he didn't, he didn't, not, he didn't neglect anything God told him to do. Everything was fulfilled. Trust me, every prophecy about Christ was fulfilled. This woman comes up, Syrophoenician woman. But Jesus said unto her in verse 27, let the children uh, be filled first. In other words, this covenant children are going to be ministered to first. You're coming next. So you're not being dismissed. You're coming next. There's a season for you. I'm going to the cross to pay for your daughter's healing. But first... This comes to the children. Let the children first be filled. Is it not, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to little dogs. We all, we all hate that thing that Jesus, we all get, get fired up over that phrase. But he put it as blunt as he could put it. In other words, I'm commissioned by God to come here first. You lady are unqualified to say anything to me, you're unqualified to even talk to me as a Jew. And now you're telling me about a demon-possessed daughter who's not even here. You're here on her behalf. The woman answered and said, <laughs> Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the master's crumbs. Eat, the, uh, eat from the children's crumbs, I should say. Then he said unto her, he says, For this saying, go your way, the demons have gone out of your daughter. It was her confession, it was her desire, it was her desire towards Christ that God turned around from what he said, turned completely around and says, go home, your daughter's healed. And granted her what she wanted. Why? Unqualified to ask Jesus anything because of her birthright, because of being a Syrophoenician, and this is not the season. The season's coming up when Jesus goes to the cross. Everybody will have access to him. The season's not there yet. What Jesus said, the season is right here for the children in the house of Israel. That's what I'm sent to first. You're second, just like the Samaritans. You're second. But what changed? The heart and the desire of a mother to see her daughter freed up 
was willing to say anything and do anything. She said she knew he was the answer, that knowing that he's the answer, that hungering for that answer that Jesus had, that's what changed. And the heart of the Father went from, a, from heaven into Jesus and said, here, daughter's healed. Bingo, took it away just like that. Jesus didn't have to go lay hands on it. He didn't have to pray nothing. He says, go home. Your daughter's healed. He's already been set free. Why? Because her need reached, the, and her, her determination reached the heart of the Father. And the unqualified now became qualified to change the circumstances. <laughs> Why? Jesus did not minister out of principle. He ministered out of passion and presence. The presence of God would come on Jesus, and then the passion of God would rise up, and then the ministry and the supernatural would be healed. Are you hearing? I, I got more example. I got example after example. How do we do this? I want to give you a how-to before I run out of time. Here's how we turn our attention to his presence. I'm going to give you three scriptures. You can jot them down. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. Turn our attention to his presence. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Galatians 5, 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty which Christ has made you free. Do not entangle again with the yoke of bondage. Amen. And Galatians 6, 9 says this. Let us not grow weary of well-doing or doing good, for in due season you shall reap if you do not lose heart. God is looking at our hearts. Amen? I've made a list. The ones we think I went through just off the top of my head. There's probably a bigger list than this, but I saw Moses was unqualified. One day he's looking at a burning bush, and next thing he's going to lead a nation. <laughs> back to their homeland. David, shepherd in the back of the field, comes up one day, all of a sudden the passion of God rises up with him and he takes out a giant. The unqualified became the qualified to be king. Amen? Who can forget the four lepers I talked on a couple weeks ago outside the city of Samaria? They said, you know, we say here we're going to die. If we go in there, we're going to die. Let's just go and see what the enemy has for us. And God took the motion of those four lepers and turned it into the sound of horses and chariots. And the Syrians fled and all left all the goods behind. And all of a sudden, the ones that were downtrodden became rich men. The unqualified became the qualified to set free a city, which is the city of Samaritan, and feed a city. Ones that were looking for bread for themselves, God took, used them and qualified them to feed a city. <laughs> of course I talked about the woman at the well and the Syrophoenician woman but what about Paul Paul seemed to be the only guy now if we saw Paul in a church today in any church setting he's qualified he's a son of a Pharisee he is a Pharisee he's memorized the Torah over and over again he, he, he goes to the temple every time the doors open He's there right in, 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 in Jerusalem. He goes to the temple. I mean, he doesn't go to the synagogue. He goes right to the temple. He's got all the, all the, he's earned all the garment that he wears. He's earned it. He's gone through the schooling. We say that certainly is qualified. He wasn't. One day he's persecuting the church, which he thinks he's qualified to determine that the church 
uh, is not legal. Uh, the church is not uh, uh, worthy of grace or honor. The church is nothing but a, a thorn in, 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 in Abraham's covenant. And he's, he's, he's coming against the church. He becomes the greatest persecutor of the church of his, of his day. Hmm. What happened? Jesus showed up. And the presence of God blinded that man. And it changed his heart. And when he changed his heart, you're talking about somebody who changed. He would be said today as the only qualified that we can come across in the New Testament was really to God unqualified. So God took the unqualified, okay, which was qualified by religion, unqualified and qualified him for the real thing, the real call and purpose on his life. And the same people that he was doing the bidding for were now persecuting him. But he sat down, and even in prison, he wrote half of his writings that Paul wrote were written from prison. Amen. And we're enjoying, I'm enjoying his works today, listening to what he's, he's done. Shipwrecked, beaten. He called that, he called being beaten so many times and shipwrecked and all those things. He called these things, I mean, almost coming close to death. This is what he called an apostle. <laughs> you notice he didn't say, I went to such and such a school. I graduated from the university. I have a doctorate degree. Oh, I got a PhD. I'm a postal digger. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> I got a PhD. None of that. Mm -mm. No, no. All these things, he says, dumb. He says, here's my qualifications. And he said this in the Church of Corinth. My qualifications, I've been beaten. I've been shipwrecked. I've been outcast. He said, that's my qualifications as an apostle. In other words, before when I had all the degrees and all this other stuff, I was really unqualified. But now, I'm qualified. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. And in a closing statement, I'm going to say this morning, uh, can we really fall back on our experiences, education, popularity, wealth, uh, though many have tried to do that, Okay. Uh, the answer to those who are no, only God, God's call, his presence in that call qualifies us for his purpose. Amen. Amen. So with that, I get two closings this American way. <laughs> I like to say, if the desires of God's people begin to change the heart of the Father, which changes the season coming in, how many is ready for a new season? then I'd say, well, let's, let's pump up our desires towards God. Let's do something with our relationship that's better. Let's not just come to church. Instead, let's be the church. Amen? Instead of just an attendance, how about being part? Because the Bible talks about the body of Christ as being parts in particular. Where'd the in particular come from? God put us in particular. <laughs> so you're an, in, you're an in particular because God has created us in particular. This church is known. I say, well, you don't really have a ministry for my gifting. Want to bet? <laughs> well, I mean, you can't bet, you know, it's not, yeah, but just a matter of speech. You want to bet? I've been known over the last 33 years to invent ministries to meet gifts. <laughs> I remember our drama team. How about our flag team? 
Got a dance team. Matter of fact, went out to the streets and evangelized. I remember those things. Why? Do we didn't have that? Somebody came and said, you know, I got a, I got a gift in. What do you think, Pat? I know this sounds kind of silly. Now, nothing's silly. Say what it is. What, what do you feel your gifting is? Good. Let's make a place for that gifting. Let's go ahead and create a ministry. You know what the religious people were saying? Oh, you don't want to know what the religious people were saying. All they call is all kinds of names. And guess what? Those people got ministered to. God's anointing fell on that thing, and they were getting people saved. Praise, God. Praise the Lord. Yeah. What happens is Lord's kingdom is so big, if we begin to restrict it, we try to put God in a box. You've heard that before. We've got to restrict it. Say, well, no, God doesn't do that. Really? I bet you I can find in the Bible where he does. Amen. How many remember when he went across the Red Sea and Moses sat his butt on a rock on the other side and God closed up the sea over Pharaoh's men? How many remember the dance team that was started right there that day when Miriam took a tambourine and got out and then, and then pulled out other women and began to dance in circles and they began to praise God and praise God right there on the bank because he saw the enemy eradicated? Hmm. I didn't see that ministry in Egypt. I didn't see that ministry anyplace else, even coming up to the Red Sea. Never saw that in place. But all on the other side of the Red Sea, on the other side of the difficulty. Now all of a sudden we got reason to praise. Amen. And she didn't ask permission from Moses. She just started pulling out ladies and they started dancing. And Moses came up with a song about the horse and rider thrown into the sea. And it was spontaneous celebration that was ministry and a minister to the entire group. Praise the Lord. All right. Amen. How many got something out of the word this morning? I hope to tell you. I did. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I like that. God will change times and seasons. He's the only one that can. Matter of fact, all the seasons and the times come from God. But he'll do it on our desire. He'll change things that weren't even on the schedule, weren't even on the calendar for that particular time. But because of the hearts of the people and the hunger towards him, he changed it. Jesus spent an extra two days in a place he was that don't even go to. <laughs> Why? He sat there at the heart of the Father. Let's not minister by by principles. Let's minister by the presence of God. Amen. Let's start changing our venue. Now we start with things that we know, but the fact is, what if we came into church instead of just by principle, uh, get up and do so many songs and we sing and we do this and, and then we go home. And then nothing changes at home. We come back to the church and we do it again and again. And then we say, well, nothing ever had, church doesn't ever do anything for me. Well, let me tell you something. What God, what God spoke to me, I uprooted an entire family from Deerfield Beach here 33 years ago. And when things looked the bleakest, I slept toward the God and I watched God turn things around. Yeah. And you're sitting in right now what most people in this, on this island calls an impossibility. Amen. And you're sitting here and you're seeing it. Amen. But 23, 24 years later, Lighthouse Christian Academy was built. And we've been ministering to kids for 23, 20, because God says, he says, I want a tool for a restoration of families. Right here in Key West. I want a tool for restoration of families. That's what we're doing. We're about, we're about kids, families. Amen? 
Uh, kids don't annoy me. Adults annoy me. No, <laughs> no, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> and you, and you see all the uh, hillbilly talk. See all the youngins up here. And the youngins, they youngins are going to need vittles to preach soon. But and praise the Lord, Amen. So we give God praise this morning. Change the season, sign of the season. If you're here this morning, you need a healing in your body. The leadership will be on. We'll go lay hands on you. Here's what we're running across. Can, can you help me out here? If you get a healing here this morning, right here, please tell somebody that you got healed. Amen. Please give God glory for it. Amen. We had a man, this was a couple of months ago, came here. He got a miraculous healing, went to an MRI. MRI proved he had a miraculous healing here. And he cleaned up his lips and he never came back. I ain't telling anybody. Amen? Don't know why, but this is what he did. And we know it for a fact. He went to the doctors for a fact because he had a torn uh, thing in his, his shoulder and got healed right here on the spot. He got the MRI. The MRI proved healed. Proved healed. How many remember Rob and Cindy that are normally here? Rob's surgery. We got a report the other day. We've been praying for Rob because his, he, he tore a, a ligament in his leg. And the MRI showed that it was completely torn. He needed an operation. When they got there to do the operation, they found out it was already beginning to heal. Our prayers were causing the healing already to happen. Yeah. Cool. Rob is happy. He doesn't need a brace. He doesn't need a cast. All the things that they said he was going to need uh, for that injury that he had, doesn't need it. Doesn't need it. He's on his, on his way to recover. I just pray for a recovery, uh, uh, fast recovery now. How many knows, knows sinners and, and everybody, sinners and saints that could use a healing in their body? Start praying for them. Watch what God will do. But please tell them, give God the glory for it. Don't keep it to yourself. Amen. Don't keep it to yourself. Praise the Lord. All right, so we, Father, we just thank you this morning for all the truth you've given us. Now, Lord, help us to discern what we heard all this morning. I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I just need a time to, 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 to filter through all the stuff that I've listened to and heard so I can, I can determine how to apply it to my life. We pray that this morning for each and every person here that it be applied to their life this morning and give new life. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. We thank you, Father God. And we give, you, we, we, we give you our all. And Lord, we want to have that hunger and desire towards you. So Father, we place it towards you now. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. Changing times and seasons for us. What people say is not going to happen, that can very well happen with God's in, in, intervention. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise. And we still continue to pray for the peace of Israel. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you for everybody who came here, listened to this message this morning. And we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.